genre. Welcome back to The Doctor's Companion Presents Doctor Who The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cass Fredrickson. And I'm Nick Jimenez. Today on the show, we'll be discussing The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances, the ninth Doctor's eighth story, and what a story it is. Uh, so this is, of course, the first story written by Stephen Moffat. Uh, under uh, official Doctor Who canon, of course. Previous to this, he had contributed to a uh, like a, he had made like a short story contribution, which would later be adapted in the third season of uh, of the New Who uh, stuff. Um, a little a little story called uh, Blink. Um, although I think it's called like I think it's called How I Spent My Summer Vacation by Sally Sparrow. I think is what the short story is called. <laughs> Something like that. By, um, by Stephen Moffat. <laughs> yes, by Stephen Moffat. Yeah. Um, huh. And uh, and then, of course, The Curse of Fatal Death starring Rowan Atkinson, uh, which we previously covered as the uh, 1999 comedy relief spoof, uh, which we previously covered on uh, April Fool's Day uh, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. It was that. a couple of years ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, but this is his first legit thing, and uh, honestly, this was something that he had to chase because he wasn't considered a shoe in for it. Because at this point, he had never written drama ever. Um, so he had only had he'd only worked on uh two or no three uh, sitcoms uh, prior to this. So he had worked on Coupling, of course, Joking Apart, and Press Gang. Um, press. Press Gang is sort of like a, I think it's like a high school newspaper hmm. show or college newspaper, university. That's maybe. a very joking clever ap- title. Yeah, yeah, Press Gang. Um, and then uh, Joking Apart, I think, is something about like stand up comedy. Is Coupling the first one that he created? No, he created all three of those. Oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, it's just that like uh, they don't get as much press because, you know, he was still probably finding himself as a writer, sure. I would imagine. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Cause like in, 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 I guess in England, it's just like, yeah, you could just be like an author of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not really like a showrunner. You're not working on the day to day. You just hand in six scripts and you're like, here's a show. Right. And here's Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, but I, I think you might be right. I think coupling might be the first one that he like show ran with his wife. Hmm. I think was what the first one being coupling. Cause that's like early two thousands. Yeah. 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 Late, late nineties, early two thousands, sure. somewhere in that range. Um, it's hard to tell that era apart, mm-hmm. like 98 to like 2002. Sure. It's hard to like differentiate. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So this was um, he. So when when the announcement went out that they were bringing Doctor Who back, 
and Russell T. Davies was running the show. The fir- fir- Moffat picked up his newspaper, saw that it was happening, and then was like, hmm. And then literally dialed the phone and called up Russell T. Davies and was like, so you're looking for writers, right? <laughs> because I want to write this show. Um, and, and really like uh, uh, kind of pestered him until he, he got the gig. Um, he ended up getting, because this season was broken in a way uh, where each episode was pre-broken with a concept that Russell T. Davies came up with. Mm. So he went out to writers and was like, hey, I've got a Dalek episode. I've got, uh, I've got a two-parter here that I'm calling World War II and Captain Jack's. Um, that, those were going to be the original titles. Uh, for the episodes, and it has something to do with like an escaped child uh, who's like a creature, and that's the story's antagonist. And so he pitched all of the episode concepts to Stephen Moffat. This is the one Stephen Moffat picked, uh, and he was like, "Okay, but that's going to be a two-parter." And he was like, "No problem." <laughs> so, so, um, so he ended up with this one. Uh, a couple of fun things that I I really like. So, um, the ship. And the ambulance in this episode are uh, called Chula Technology. Mm-hmm. Um, Chula was the name of the Indian restaurant where Moffat, Paul Cornell, Mark Gatiss, and Robert Shearman all went to in February of 2004 to celebrate their brand new Doctor Who contracts as writers for the new show. Mm-hmm. So they, they all went and got a meal Aww. and got some drinks. At this at this restaurant, and he he named uh, the the alien technology in this episode uh, on that restaurant. The lads, yep, the lads. Um, pretty cool. That's a, that's a crazy. Stephen Moffat, Paul Cornell, Mark Gatiss, and Robert Sheeran yeah, no all went kidding. to a restaurant together. <laughs> that's nuts. <laughs> um. So uh uh yeah. So then um he basically he took so like uh originally Captain Jack Harkness was a character that would be pretending to be human, but was actually an alien named Jax, J-A-X. And uh, that was why the second episode was going to be called Captain Jax. And uh, uh, Stephen Moffat was like, I think it's better if he's just from the future, but he's a con man. He's like the doctor if the doctor was con man <laughs> yeah more of a more of a scoundrel well it says so much just in the fact that like doctor has a sonic screwdriver this guy has a sonic gun right right exactly um so uh he changed that and then uh he changed the 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 thing from uh the the child creature to being a child um and uh the the originally the uh mother character was uh the thing that she was so originally she wasn't going to be so young she was going to be a little older than she is in this um and the thing that and like throughout the story the father who would be revealed to be the father of this child mm-hmm. um it also shows up to help her with the kids right cuz she still does like the stuff with like the kids and everything but um but she's like older she's like in her 20s like 25 um, Right, right, twenty five, yeah, whatever. Um, which is basically like thirty five in like nineteen forty times. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, no, because she's only twenty one in this. Okay, and, yeah. yeah. So it's like even like a little older would be like 
25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she, yeah, she was, she was definitely going to be a little bit older because um, what you were going to find out about the father is that the reason that she had so much shame about Jamie, the child, was because the father was a German soldier, oh, um, a Nazi. Uh, and so that was what, that's why the, the kid is blonde, actually. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, that was the that was going to be the thing that she felt shame about not having a child too young, not being like a child herself, having a child and being overwhelmed. It was going to be more the shame of like, oh, my God, I boned down with a Nazi soldier and had a child. <laughs> I I like that because actually the moment that you're describing right now, the guilt, it's actually kind of like the weakest part of the second episode for me. Mm hmm. In an episode that seems so elegant, it was the one part that was like, this feels kind of gross. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't really, I, you know, like, this feels icky. Yeah. And what you're describing feels much, yeah, it feels cleaner and less like, the doctor almost gets a kind of finger waggy yeah. at the end to me. Just like, yeah, why don't you keep your knees closed, young lady? Like, it has that kind of vibe in a way that I don't, I'm not into. I disagree. Uh, oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Um, so anyway, uh, so, the, so all of that happens, all of that changes, um, they go and they shoot this story, uh, they shoot part of it in December of 2004 and the rest of it in January of 2005. And, um, overall, so they, they, they hire, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Mr. Jack Harkness himself, um, uh, John Barrowman, uh, who had done, um, he had been of course born in scotland raised in illinois uh and so that just explains everything you need to know about him yeah um <laughs> and and uh yeah he was nominated for a Laurence olivier uh theater award for best down. actor in uh the musical the fix uh. on television he had starred in two short-lived 19 uh, nighttime soap operas in the united states called central park west and titans i i, I vaguely Remember both of these um, very vaguely. I think they're both like canceled after 13 episodes, but I think I remember them, you know, being like after a show I watched or something like that. Uh, the names sound vaguely familiar. Um, uh, Titans, not that. Titans. Right. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> so um, although he would later be in the DC universe. I was going to say like Merlin could have shown up in Titans. Yeah, he could have. He sure. He certainly could have. Um, and, and might I say he maybe he should have. Um, so, so anyway, uh, okay. So they're, they're, they shoot this whole story, um, as they get into the Dr. Dances, uh, the second part of the story, um, now renamed the empty child and the Dr. Dances, uh, they find that the episode is running short. The second part is running short. They're looking at dailies. They're like rough estimates in their head about like how much, how long this is going to be. And they're like, oh, this episode is only like. 35 minutes long. Oh, God. Wow. That's um, a lot. Like, right. Yeah. It's like, you know, like thir 35, 38 minutes, something like that. And so they're like, okay, we need to shoot something else, but we can't shoot anything with uh, the doctor and Rose because all of that stuff is accounted for. And they're like, they're like, oh, we should add more scenes with the girl so that the end plays better, is, is stronger. So... Uh, having to do it the day before, I think it was shot with um, a second unit that did all all of all of the stuff with all of her scenes in this episode. Um, 
they to split up the work, Russell T. Davies wrote one scene and Stephen Moffat wrote the other one. And so Moffat or uh, Moffat wrote the scene where she's with all the kids in like the bunker and the typewriter. That scene um, was added like the day before they shot it. And then the same thing, uh, Russell T. Davies wrote the scene where uh, she, uh, I guess, like, it's like handcuffed to the table. Is yeah, that- gets it. No, no. The, the way, well, I guess that part was in there, too. Oh, I don't know the if you wrote that one. The, they didn't mention it. With the dad where she gets with caught. The, with the dad yeah. and the butcher. Yeah. 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 Oh, we were which, talked- yeah. which I totally called while we were watching it. I was like, I was like, this feels like a Russell T. Davies scene. And then in doing my research, I was like, that's because it was. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know so. the, the 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 dad or the husband having an affair with the butcher, mm-hmm. right? When you thought they were leading you that it was the wife, you're like, that's very RTD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole like sweat on my brow conversation, like all of that stuff, felt very Russell T Davies mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. remotely Stephen Moffat. Mm-hmm. I was like, none of this sounds like Stephen Moffat. What is this? This is weird. This and, feels weird in this episode. <laughs> and then, and likewise, Moffat's scene is vintage Moff, which we right, get into, right? And in fact, just kind of like. Uh, a, almost like a repeated motif from an earlier scene with the yeah. with the radio mm-hmm. of like or the record it was a record. Right? Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was. Uh, yeah, it yeah. Was... So uh, yeah, so that's it. That's the that's the background of significance. I mean, you know, this was a. I I feel like, you know, up to this point, I remember watching this show for the first time, and enjoying it. You know, and I you know I really like I really liked End of the World. I really like Dalek. Um, you know, and I was, I was, I was relatively enjoying it. Like it was, it was good. And then this episode happened and I was like, oh, this show is capable of being like next level. Good. Oh my God. Um, this episode blew me away the first time I watched it. And this was the first thing I ever saw was written by Stephen Moffat. And, um, I, I just, uh, I really, really adored this episode. The first time I watched this, it like really stuck out to me. And then it was like, I think Stephen Moffat might have been, other than Russell T, might have been the first like Doctor Who writer that I like paid attention to, um, I would say. Because like the Paul Cornell thing, that happened in like retrospect, mm-hmm. like, you know, Father Day, Father's Day was great, uh, but I didn't, it didn't occur to me until I think he came back in the third season. I was like, oh, it's the guy who did Father's Day, you know, that kind of thing. But um, this was the first one that I was like, I need to pay attention to this writer. This is really good. Um, do you guys remember seeing this for the first time? Yes. Do you remember? I don't because when I was watching it, um, it was kind of like we were binge watching it because I think mm. the fourth season had just ended. It was in that oh. um that twilight period where David Tennant was gonna leave, but um oh. so I had started watching the show before they announced that Matt Smith was going to take over. Um because I remember reacting to that and being like, well, he's not David Tennant, you know, because I, you know, was a new Doctor Who fan. Um, sure, of course. But, yeah, I remember really enjoying this one, but it didn't really have, like, the impact that, like, Dalek did. Because Dalek was the mm. first one where I was just like, oh, I like this show. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, sure. this is a good one. Yeah. I also don't remember watching this for the first time or like when i sat down and watched this one um but uh watching it now it feels even before that story it is to me such a beautiful collaboration between the styles of moffat and russell t davies Mm -hmm. yeah and as a moffat episode i appreciated it a lot because it, it it feels like him he's so restrained 
but or like there's so he, he it feels like it belongs in the Russell T Davies era but there's all these really cool little like Scott said motifs visual and like character and it come and seeing it like seeds being planted in this early episode is really fun uh like the i don't know just like like, like little moments like the typewriter mm-hmm. like wait no who's typing oh it's a ghost like mm-hmm. <laughs> he loves that it's it's very confident in a way that is also fun, like mm-hmm. you know, I think he gets overconfident as he goes along, yes. and then and then and then learns from that. Eventually, he has like a whole he comes full it. circle <laughs> as a, as a writer, I think, for this show. Um, but uh, it is very confident in a way of just like you can tell he is having the time of his life writing this story. You're you know? right, like even little moments like the the joke about how. Oh yeah, I got this Sonic thing from a farm. Have you from a factory? Have you been there once? Yeah, it blew up. Like I said, I've been there once. Like that's such a yeah. I've been thinking about Doctor Who since I was eight. Yeah, like move. Yeah, and those just those motifs like we were talking about where he just makes fun of the Doctor, just like just rips on him like all the time. I'm just like this is so stupid. All of this is stupid, and I love it so much. And well, it's none of you will take it away from it's me. It's funny because like rewatching, I haven't seen this in a really long time. So rewatching it now, um, that we're like in another era removed from Moffat, um, it felt like the most like like Matt Smith could just drop into this episode and it would play entirely the same. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. at least the first part, like the the second part where it's more about like the weird like will they won't they with the doctor and rose like i was like eh, that's less <laughs> like matt smith and amy but like the first part of this i was just like oh yeah matt smith could be the doctor and it it feels exactly the same Which- what's so great about the first one is it's the doctor is on like classic like doctor poking around exploring a new world and rose gets to go on like a hot day yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Let, let's normalize that in the show going forward. <laughs> yeah. The companion just gets to be like in a chapter of a fanfic. I, you know, I wonder if, if Jack hadn't been written by Stephen Moffat first, if Jack would be the way that Jack is, because Jack is very much <laughs> like every, like female character that, that, that Stephen Moffat has ever written. Like she's, he's very river song. Yeah. Horny as a personality. Trait. Like super horny, you know, like, really like confident and just being like like i know you're looking you know like that that vibe that's every female character that Muppet see that guard doctor i know him because we hooked up (laughs) be right back (laughs) yeah like i wonder i i don't know that russell t has ever written a character quite that like with that much bravado Mm. jackie i guess um you know i yeah but i think but i think it's yeah, I, I you're, you're right. Like Jack is very much kind of like the male river. I never thought about it before. Right, but yeah. very like sexy and confident, and like I'm here, party started, and like has, and it kind of is sort of a response to the doctor because like they both have a long, cool, playful history that they can reach in and like, yeah, yeah, just like the vibe of like, all right, I have entered this room. I have a list of things to do, but if anyone in this room wants to hook up, I can pause <laughs> and finish on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> just get just putting that out there. <laughs> 
that's, make no mistake. That's that's River. That's Jack. That's, that's yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, we're talking about <laughs> oh no, we, yeah, we were talking about how the Rose and Doctor, or the Rose and Jack in this episode, like this is what uninterrupted would happen every time. Yeah, <laughs> including the time with Jack and Graham. Yeah. yeah, if 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 Jack wasn't interrupted. Yeah, this is what would have like happened. Like Glenn Miller, Graham, he would have opened up a bottle of champagne. Oh my word. Brought him out on top of his invisible ship. Oh, he's Big Ben. <laughs> they would have slow danced. You know how to show a bloke a good time, Captain Jack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you want to mention the other thing that you noticed about oh. the Ninth Doctor too? Oh yeah. So cat. Yeah, uh, we were. <laughs> so like, I, I we noticed a lot of similarities between nine and thirteen. Mm. Where they're both outwardly very animated and enthusiastic and wholesome, but hiding a lot of anger and confusion and identity stuff, and also both loners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And kind of like a new kind of reset regeneration. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I ever clocked that before. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It is very, yeah. It, I, think they, I think you're right. I think they do have very similar vibes. Um, I can't think of a classic Doctor equivalent. The closest I can think of is like five-ish, I guess, maybe. But like even that's like a stretch. And then Scott made a really cool thing that I had never thought about before, which is the idea of, you know, in a world where Eccleston had stayed on for longer, mm -hmm. the, the idea mm -hmm. of instead of one companion, like what if Rose plus others and it, he became like the doctor to like a small family, like yeah. a cranky dad to like the group of companions. Yeah, I was like, imagine a second season of Eccleston with Jackie and Mickey right, also yeah, they, being companions the whole they season. They also like, you know, they pop in and out, Jackie and Mickey do. So, right. <laughs> That's so adorable. Yeah. But I'm like more interested in that with them as com full time companions in the context of nine, mm -hmm. much more so than, than I am with 10. Yeah. With 10, I just can't wait for the Rose era to be over. But with nine, another season of this. I will say I am interested in your thoughts on the will they, won't they thing because I don't get those vibes at all from this episode. Really? So I'm, uh, yeah, not at all. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. I think it's mostly, um, you know, all the conversations about dancing. It's very like Captain America First Avenger, like, oh, do you fondue kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And and they even use like he even uses that analogy when he's talking about, you know, human beings going off into the, the outer space and like boning down with all the aliens. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. And then the the after they rescued Jack and Rose wants to dance with Jack. And then the doctor's just like, oh, look, I remember how to dance now. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, it's funny, but it's just like, there's like, they're they're playing with their dynamic, I think. Um, hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we play with, we, we've talked a little bit about the idea of this being like Rose's story. Mm -hmm. Of Rose kind of being like the protagonist of this. Mm -hmm. And the doctor being like a cool supporting character. Mm -hmm. and reorienting that and like this episode seems to me with especially the first part being so like romantic and swoony of him of her like dancing with captain jack it's kind of like her trying out these two guys these people who are very similar hmm. and she's like oh i have i can go off and have like there's a part in the in part in part one where she goes finally a professional because yeah. this guy has a bit more dash and daring dude than the doctor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like she's picking out like which what style of this new life she likes, which is kind of what finding 
being interested in different people is in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's interesting. I I definitely got more like dad at a wedding vibes. Oh, really? With them dancing. Yeah, I just it I don't I just don't get any romantic vibes off of them at all. I mean, we were talking about it. I mean, we're going to get there in in a couple more seasons, but like the kiss in Parting of the Ways never felt romantic to me, and I always felt the people who made it romantic were forcing it. Mm. Like it just doesn't I don't I don't pick up on those vibes between them at all. And and granted, I think that the vibes that people were picking up were then like evolved and changed once the doctor became, you know, hunky David Tennant. Um, but but like I just I never got the romance vibes with the two of them. It always felt it always felt like maybe if they were they weren't separated by so much time, like her being so young and him being so old, um, you know, maybe, but, uh, and then that, that they end up massaging that with the 10th doctor, um, or, you know, he's not any younger, but he looks younger. So, you know, good enough, I guess. But, uh, it's, yeah, I just never, I never got the romance vibes between them. I don't know. I think it's a lot more subtle in season one, which I Mm -hmm. like more than, you know, like, oh, we have David Tennant and he's really hot, so we can just like, you know, pair them off together. I like that right. it's um I like that it's it's more subtle with Eccleston. Um because it's more mm-hmm. charming and it's more um it feels more authentic. because uh, like mm-hmm. Rose isn't falling for the doctor because of like what he looks like. It's because of like what they experience together. Um sure. which, you know, I'm into. So Yeah. <laughs> I think it's subtle in the way that it like there's chemistry between Eccleston and Billy Piper. Like they just play off each other really uh-huh. well. Mm-hmm. And but they also are new to each other. And it's kind of like when you aren't sure, like, is is this romantic or is this platonic? Mm-hmm. Like what it, but there is a thing and Rose being like playful with it and like, come on, let's dance. And the doctor being like, What? No, why? Why do you want to mm-hmm. dance? And she's like, Because I want to know what it's like to dance with you. I danced with the other hot time travel. Right? Guy. I want to dance with you. <laughs> And she's like, and I don't know if we're just pals or not, mm-hmm. but let's see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the, the energy I kept coming back to in this was like nine, just being fed up with, with, with her and her boys, like ugh, you and your boys, <laughs> like you're always bringing a boy back to the ship. Um, and, and, and like Nick was saying while we were watching, it was just like, yeah, it's not, I don't get jealous vibes from him. He's not like jealous of Jack. He's more just like annoyed that she keeps bringing back pets, like <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's that's always the vibe that I got. Which is like, God, another dog? Come on, because that's never a vibe that I like. Is like jealous, protective doctor, yeah, right. Uh, like other guy, who's this army guy? Bet you're in the army, huh? Army guy, right, right, right. yeah. Um. Anyway, but in terms of like the the story itself, uh, I it's it's interesting the way that it all plays out because I I I always remember it differently or or like the the cold open of the first episode, we like got to the to the you know the opening credits and we were like really that's that's how this opens <laughs> like we we just didn't remember that it was like them just being like ah we got to chase this thing or it's gonna you know hit London. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was weird. Right? It's so nondescript that mm-hmm. you. It also has the burden of, of being 
completely intrinsic to the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Like the whole episode is in that cold open. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, makes you wonder how many drafts of this he wrote. But uh, yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah. So like, I, I really like this. I like the. It's the like co- a great, like, it reminds me a lot of like the woman in black mm. where it's, it's just a great old school ghost story. And yeah. Like, a really effective horror film. It's actually probably one of the better quote, scary episodes of Dr. Who that I've yeah. seen in the modern era. Yeah. And it's also, uh, it, it's really great. Like mood setting in terms of like, you know, you're like learning about this world of, of like world war two, the, blitz, the yeah. blitz, you know, um, and you're like living in that for a while, and uh, he's really good with the with the mom character in terms of like setting her up as like extremely likable because he knows that like the reveal of what her deal is to a lot of viewers could be seen as like yeah. what which or, is like a what big, a monster you know and but, it's a big uh, which is a thing that happens a lot in horror and ghost stories which is like making you care about a character but in the past they did something. Mm-hmm. And they're still tortured by it, mm. right? Right. Um, and and it's just it's just really good. Like I I really liked her as a character. I liked all the kids. I love that dinner scene where she's like feeding everybody, mm-hmm. um, and the doctor uh, crashes the party, regales them all with his <laughs> yeah. charm. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. I I I like it a lot. What what? So so let's talk about that reveal because um, I don't know. I I don't I don't. I don't love the reveal as it stands because I do think that there's like, there's something about the way that he's like, um, I don't know how young you were five years ago, but young enough to get pregnant, I suspect. And like, it's just like real, like shamey to me. I don't know. Like, that's how I read it. It felt like he was like shaming. Her. I don't know that like him puzzling through it. Cause like, it's all down to the delivery. And I think he does a really good job of being both like, I'm supposed to like exposit the plot of like, you know, like, Oh, this is the, this is the answer to the riddle. But also I feel like he's, there's like a nine is very blunt, but I feel like there's Mm -hmm. like a gentleness when he figures it out. Um, that, feels not shamey because like she is clearly so ashamed of like you know the circumstances that led her to you know having a a baby at 15 and like like having to lie to him for years um and like the guilt of like him dying when she's supposed to be like taking care of him so it's i think he does a really good job uh to me at least of like walking that line between like giving the audience the answer in a way that's very straightforward and we understand, but also like it doesn't read as shamey to me when he's mm. talking about it. Yeah, it just it, I mentioned it, I really uh, I wish Stephen Moffat would write like a, a horror film. Yeah, I just like with the transformations are so horrific mm-hmm. and like you only see it once, but the ones you don't see are actually the ones where you just hear the sound of it happening and the actors like screaming are like really creepy and effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like this is, it's such a cool arc for a character to have. And like we see uh, characters like this all the time where it's like, oh, the one guest character. But mm-hmm. to have her get like this really cool arc at the end and, you know, it has such a memorable ending. Mm-hmm. Like even if I don't remember this episode very well, like I remember Justice Once Everyone Lives. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the only episode in all of Doctor Who where he leaves all these people better than when he found them. <laughs> Yeah, a woman grows her leg back. Yeah, she gets a new leg. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, I was no. like, it's more than everybody lives, buddy. <laughs> like you, you like, you like gave all these people perfect health Charlie, as a result of this adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really good, and you know, based on all of the all of the stuff that Moffat does in the future, and the way that he. Um, you know, can like emotionally torture characters sometimes, and like you know, it's it, it, it. A lot of episodes have like a rough go of it. Um, it's so fun to me, and so nice to know that like he's like, well, I'm only gonna get one. So if I'm gonna do one Doctor Who story ever, I'm gonna do one that has a happy ending, and I love that. Like mm-hmm. that kind of to me that that it's like you can say all that you want about. Moffat and like where he went as a showrunner and as a writer for this show and you know the whole full circle thing that we talk about all the time but like the fact that it it says a lot about him as a person that like if he was only going to write one Doctor Who story it was going to be one with a happy ending like that is so obscenely happy it borders on fan fiction (laughs) you know Um, look Rose Gallifrey it's in the sky (laughs) yeah it's uh i don't know i there's something about that that's kind of beautiful to me i love that well if you think about like the the last like three doctors before this right like not counting um eight Mm -hmm. like five six seven like all of the like eric sayward nonsense where like everyone dies all the time um and then like Mm -hmm. to have this instead i don't know I, i it makes sense in my brain for like Moffat to have That's been really- like thinking about this show for like 20 years and then having a chance to write it and like no screw that 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 sucked like I want to have wow. the doctor be like a hero instead of like this force that like destroys stuff you know yeah 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 I don't think I, I never thought about it. I mean I, I couldn't think about it before but yeah it's a it's a it's a really cool way to appreciate that moment of like that was such a hard time if it sounds like to be a Whovian and like you could imagine like a younger Moffat being like, this isn't what I like about this thing that I, I love. And now he gets the chance to like mm-hmm. comment on that in a yeah. way that really only people like comic book writers. Yeah. Have a chance to like play with the mythos of the thing, that their comment on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of like the narrative, you know, the, the non meta narrative of this moment, the, the, the reason that I love it so much is that, you know, we have the ninth doctor who is, I mean, I feel like inarguably the most tortured doctor. He's he's recovering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he solved a problem in the worst way possible. Oh, that's true, too. You know, like he had to kill everyone, yeah. his people and the Daleks just to end the time war. And so it's like so much so that he's like blocked. He is currently blocking out an entire lifetime mm-hmm. because he's like. I can't process what I had to do during that period. So right. Like, I'm, it didn't even happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so he is just so tortured and so worried about doing the right thing versus the wrong thing. And what is what even is the right thing? And who am I to decide what the right thing is? And just this once everybody lives. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I mean, you can see he's euphoric and you might think like that's a bit much. But yeah, if you're like me, if you're like, if this is your fifth episode of the show ever, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a lot. But like Eccleston is playing it to the rafters because he knows internally what Russell T Davies has told him about this character, about what he's gone through, right. and and so he's 
you know, using this moment to reflect that. Um, and it's a beautiful performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, Eccleston is so underrated as the doctor and this is just, um, thanks, thanks to good old Nana Janes. Yeah. What a, what, what, what an episode. I just, I, I, I really, really love this two-parter a lot. Nanogens are a great idea. They should come into the show more. Yeah. They're built to repair. I don't know why the TARDIS doesn't have nanogenes. Well, I guess if, if it had nanogenes, he would never, he would re- never regenerate. Why doesn't he just have nanogenes? Does Bro, it, I cracked it. Does it, does it not come back ever again? I feel like it does. Does it? I don't I remember. I Google it. Because, you know, like, and sometimes it's like the wiki, the like appearances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Other I'll mentions. That up. I will say See that, it. like, yeah. a, a plague that, uh, you know, comes about by, like, people touching and then, like, it's airborne <laughs> and, like, it, like, turns people into empty husks. I was just like, ooh, this is, uh, this is different uh, oh, yeah. post-COVID. <laughs> um, no, definitely. And and I, I, I thought similar things, you know, there's that really cool moment in Dr. Dances where Rose is talking to the mother character i can't think of her name uh, nancy uh nancy and and nancy is it was really moving nancy was like couldn't she's like wait there's a future mm-hmm. this isn't the end of the world mm-hmm. and rose is like yeah i'm from london 50 years from now we life goes on and like that's really cool because like i think i think a lot of people can imagine the mindset of like well this is it this is clearly the end of everything mm-hmm. we don't move on from this and to have billy piper being like look and we're in a union jack shirt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so for the record, nanogenes uh, make appearances in so here the doctor dances as well as um, uh, well the 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 empty child doctor dances mm-hmm. as well as Asylum of the Daleks and Fugitive of the Jadoon. Mm. So, Ooh, I have to watch those again. Yeah, so there you go. Um, I feel like isn't Jack is in Fugitive of the Jadoon, right? Yeah, yes. that's when he makes a surprise. That's when he makes it. Yeah, I think he heals one of them with. Nanogenes. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Nice. Like when they pop in, one of them is injured, and he's like, "Oh, I'll take care of that." Boom, there you go. Like nanogenes, and you're like, "Okay." I cool. once let a lot of people die, but then I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, that was thousands of years ago. <laughs> oh, because yeah. My name is Jack, and I'm immortal. There, there, there's that moment where the doctor uh, Jack's like drop in backstory on Rose, and he's like, "Yeah, like I used to work for the time agency, but then they stole two years from my memory." And so I'm like, I'm going to find out what they took from me. And I was like, wow, does that come up in Torchwood? And Scott was like, no. <laughs> Which sucks. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because they focus entirely on him being immortal post Parting of the Ways. And I, like, as that, like they just, I guess they just found more interest in that, I guess. Um, yeah, the concept really cool. of him it's being immortal. It's like a immortal. Weapon X kind of Jason Bourne yeah. mm-hmm. angle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man. Torchwood. <laughs> Crazy thing. We were there was a bit where when he catches the bomb and he's like straddling the bomb. Um and uh and then like flies away. Uh I I was like I we were, you were like making jokes like ho 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 you know like as he like flew Sexy away. Christmas. Yeah. And then I was just like, wow, they really missed a beat like not ever doing a Torchwood Christmas special because like that would have just been so insane. That I would have, what I think even, I would have loved. What it. even is that though? Like, I don't know. I don't show? know what it is, like, Cass. I just know that I want. I'm not. It I'm not having. Heart. I'm not being mean. I'm asking. Do, is Torchwood the kind of show where the characters like enjoy being around each other? No. Okay. Not really. <laughs> they bicker a lot. 
Because you know how, like, The Flash, you're like, oh, that'd be fun, the idea of them all doing, like, Secret Santa, because they're all buddies. Yeah, no. It's it's also, like, the cast changes completely every season, okay. pretty much. Not unlike The Flash. Yeah, other than, like, like there's, like, there's like, uh, like, a few holdovers each season. Yeah. Like, Eve is on the whole show. He's obviously on the whole show. Um, I think there's a... The people that are in ones. Uh, um, the big epic three-parter that we just watched with Donna, everyone, Donna Noble, those people. Uh, oh, yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those two are on the th- three seasons and then just the woman is on the final season. I, I don't think Yanto is in the he, final season. He doesn't he die. That's why he, like in, Jack is like super emo because he lost his boyfriend. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's been the a The stars season. Yeah. The star season. Yeah. Tar- Torchwood was a stars yeah, original of series Yeah, Children of the Earth or whatever, right? No, that that's... What, um, was, no, that was that was the third season. Yeah, which uh, was... A, a BBC it's such a bummer. Dude, Torchwood is Peter such Capaldi. a bummer. Like... Yeah. What, why, why do you want a Christmas special? <laughs> I don't know. Like Cass, the Black Mirror Christmas special. It's yeah. so oh, sad. Hare. Yeah. I don't know why I want it. I just know that it's I do. It's such a weird idea of like, if you sat me down or whatever, if you were like, if you just watched Darker Dances Parting of the whatever for the yeah. first time, my, my brain's falling apart. And you're like, <laughs> Whoa, Captain, Captain Jack's a really cool character. Oh, he gets his own show. It's called Torchwood. Oh, hell yeah. Let's watch it. And then it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. This fun, flirty, sexy, will date anyone. Loves a good time and a mar- we'll have a martini right before he thinks he's going to die. It's it's got like Torchwood is very much, you know, and we were watching this and I and I was uh, I was comparing it to season one of Buffy, mm. like where it's just like it's like, oh, they have good scripts and they're just they're doing the best they can, but they don't have a lot of money, you know, um, and it reminded me of that a lot. Uh, and Torchwood reminds me a lot of like early Angel where like. There's little spots where you're like, oh, that was that was cool. That was kind of cool. And then there are other episodes where you're like, guys, you went really far in a direction that I am not into uh-huh. at all. Yeah. 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 Like the cannibal farm episode. Screw yeah. that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what show you're talking about. <laughs> it could be either one. That's the thing. It could be either show. Yeah. Yeah. It could be either show. Um. But uh, this is yeah, fun. I think I just want Jack in a Christmas special. There you go. I yeah. think I just I don't I don't I guess maybe I don't need Torchwood. That's fair. Uh, honestly, they should give Jack a new show that isn't Torchwood. Yeah, especially because they just brought him back. Yeah, they can have Jack like, just like bumming around the universe. Like Torchwood never did that. He was always Earthbound. Mm-hmm. Imagine Ryan and Graham. We kind of hint that like they're still gonna be like you know keeping tabs on Earth, having driving around, having mysteries in a van. They run into Captain Jack. Yeah, <laughs> three of them get into it. I like that. I like that. There's been a murder on a nude it's on a nude beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a job for me. <laughs> hey, fellas. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's that one bloke. <laughs> oh, it's that guy. Amazing. Just saying, we're we're available at any time. <laughs> Actually, Ryan doesn't even need to be there. I just oh, want it to be Jack, okay. Jack and Graham. I think there's got to be some kind of buffer there, to yeah. where it's not just like boning down. For like uh, 40 oh, pages. let's do. Uh, let's get Bill instead. There we go. Let's get yeah. Bill in there. Bill. Yeah, she's she's somewhere in the universe. Always in. Yeah, let's just it's just Bill, 
Bill Graham, Captain Graham, Couch Jack, and uh, uh, is that her name? What is Sealed her? No, that's the person who found the ring. Oh, oh no! What, what, what is, what's what's you know name? what I'm talking about? Daisy Williams. Yes, Daisy Williams. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. What's her character name though? It's not a sealed door. <laughs> it's similar. Uh, it's uh, a shielder. Uh, a shielder. Yeah. She just goes by uh, me at the end, and I'm just like, that's confusing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's yeah. That's the that's the that's the crew. No, the that's Maisie the, Williams one I want is her and Clara together though. Like faux show. Yeah, I just oh. I I don't think we'd ever be able to get Clara back. I think we could get Bill. They back. literally run off into space together. Yeah. An- another motif that I noticed is uh, the how much Stephen Moffat again. If this is like the one time he ever gets to write an episode, he <laughs> loves the Doctor Who pun. Yes. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He absolutely does. Can't get enough of it. Did you ever get tired of not having a name? Doctor Who. Everybody. Oh, I missed him. <laughs> she said that I made her say it. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. All right. It's a great it's it's a good one. Mm-hmm. This is a good one. I really, I really enjoy it. Uh, Where are we? What, what's the tenth Doctor one that we're watching? Impossible Planet, the Satan Pit, buddy. Nice. Satan time, everybody. Um, yeah, we're getting some uh, cosmic, Satan. cosmic horror. Getting a big old Doctor CG Who style. guy. Um, so I really, really dislike this episode. Uh, every time that I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in probably. I don't think I've had to watch it for. At least seven years, maybe longer. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to revisit. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know how I'll feel about it this time. I might feel better about it. I don't know. Maybe I've grown. Maybe I haven't. Maybe maybe my vibes are my vibes and this just isn't my vibe. That's fair. I don't know. You know what we're getting though? Uh we're getting that spacesuit. We are getting that spacesuit. We're getting that ood. We're getting some ood. We're getting them dem ood. Dem ood. Dem oods. Dem oods. <laughs> You guys want you guys want dem oods send on a, oods. On a, on a, on a <laughs> send oods. Hey, you know what I just That's realized. Do they have the little the little squiggly tentacle thing on their face because of like Cthulhu? Like, is that a reference to Cthulhu? Maybe? Because this is a cosmic horror oh. episode. Wow, that'd be cool. Maybe that'll be a TARDIS note. So I might. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to look that up when I do my research for the next one. I'll, wow. I'll have to see if that's what it is. I'm already gonna. I'm gonna wager. I think I'm gonna watch this episode thinking, would it? Would this be cooler if you sub out Satan for, for Cthulhu? Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be we'll be back uh, next week with the Impossible Planet of the Satan Pit. Check out our Patreon, duelinggenre.com slash support. Uh, very helpful. Nick and I have a new show premiering in April called Franchiseography. We're starting where we talk about... Uh, the Men in Black movies. Well, 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 well yes, yeah. uh, but not exclusively. <laughs> um, we, we, the, the show is Franchiseography, and, and Nick and I will be talking about uh, franchises, uh, some of our favorite franchises as voted on by our patreon subscribers and our twitter followers uh and we are starting with the men in black franchise um so that's premieres in april so cast is going to be our guest for uh for men in black international Mm -hmm. which i haven't seen yet so i'm kind of pumped neither have i cast we're in the same nice never saw it never did see it 
Nick saw it. He he told me not to waste my time. So <laughs> I, uh, and yet, and yet I, I willed it from my brain. <laughs> <laughs> like that's my war doctor years. <laughs> Those two hours that I watched Men in Black International. <laughs> uh yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Check out fun. check out franchiseography. Uh, check out our Patreon, duelinggenre.com slash support. And we'll be back next week with the 10th Doctor and the Impossible Planet, the Satan Pit. Bye, everybody. Bye.